Great God in heaven, we are so thankful to be together as the family of God. And this Sunday was so encouraging and so challenging as well, God. Just thinking about how you're calling us uh, as a body to hire as each, each part does its work. And Lord, um, there's a lot of things Steve said that were convicting and powerful and inspiring. Uh, we are so thankful for the support that we've received, God. Father, thank you for the brothers and sisters that some of them I know by name and some of them I'll never know by name. But because of them, we have a church. Uh, because of their sacrifice, we had the opportunity to start a church here in Portland, Maine. And God, to, to start a church that uh, God can really, uh, in, in a great way, bring so much hope to so many people in this state, Father. And we're grateful for just the call that we have just to care more, to to get out of our spiritual apathy, Father. And Father, we, we thank you so much, even just as Steve said that, you know, it's time to move out of our mother's basement, Father. And that was a powerful thing to say, but God, we, we know that you're calling us higher because Lord, we need to be a, a church that sends someday, Father, not just receives. And we ask you, Lord, to, uh, God, we know that's from you. We ask you, Lord, to provide uh, the means so that we can um, continue to mature and grow and help other towns and cities in uh, this great state, Father. We ask you even tonight as we, uh, some of that stuff can be overwhelming, right, Father? Just thinking about how do we do this? But Lord, today we're just going to talk about ourselves individually as, the, as, as part of the great body of your Son. And just get it, take it personal in our own lives, God, because Lord, that is the only thing we can really control, Father. I can't control what someone else does. It's hard even to control myself. Mm-hmm. But Lord, that's one thing we can control. And we ask you that through the Holy Spirit, you would make us more like your son. Make us to see the most important things. Help us to seek your kingdom first in, in our lives. And we pray as a congregation that we can all say, this is my church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Matthew 16, we'll jump right in. The title is called, I Will Build My Church. I Will Build My Church. And it comes out of Matthew 16, and it's actually the words of Jesus. And um, we'll start in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Who do people say... The Son of Man is. They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. 
From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus says to the disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. This is an epic couple paragraphs we just read. And this is, this is epic because it is epic. It's not because I read it epically. I, didn't, I read it okay. But the truth is, this is super epic. Basically, Jesus is, is coming to the end of his ministry of three years, preaching God's word, and he's about to die. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to suffer many things under the chief priests and elders. And he's thinking to himself, do these people even believe that I'm the Messiah. <laughs> because very soon, I'm going to leave you. And all that's left is the faith in these guys' hearts. And so he asks the question. He brings them to outside of the Jewish towns. He goes to Caesarea Philippi, which is a place where getting away from all the noise and all the, the chief priests and all the criticism, took them outside the city where there'd be no Jews. In fact, there's more Gentiles in that area than Jews. And all around them were gods and temples and shrines. And this is the scene where you see this shrine and that shrine and this shrine and that shrine. And, and Roman, you know, the Roman Caesar put up this shrine. And here's Jesus saying, who do people say that I am? They say, some say, you're John the Baptist. John the Baptist was obviously the one that was beheaded. And Herod, because they spoke such a similar message, and because of the fire they both had in their preaching, he thought, because they were saying the same thing, that John the Baptist had come back from the dead and is living in the body of Jesus. And some people said, that's John the Baptist. He's not dead anymore. He's still living. Powerful, huh? That's some crazy stuff. Such a unified message between John the Baptist and Jesus. Then other people said, that's Elijah. In the book of Malachi, Elijah was supposed to be the one that would come as the forerunner for Jesus. In Malachi 4, it says, you will see Elijah and he will turn back the people's hearts to God. And he was then... We know from, from what Jesus said that Elijah was who? Elijah was actually John the Baptist. Think about it. They both had camel's hair. They both ate honey. They both had similar lives. If you study out Elijah and John the Baptist, you'll see the similarities. And so Elijah obviously 
You know, this isn't reincarnation. Amen? This is the Spirit. The same kind of preaching. The same kind of message was preached through John the Baptist. And so they thought he was John the Baptist. Some thought he was Elijah. Then others said Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was known as someone who certainly preached the gospel, preached the word in a powerful way. But he also was someone who, in the book of the books, in the apocryphal books, were said to, it's gonna, he's going to set up the kingdom. He's going to come back and set up the kingdom. His spirit's going to come back and set up the kingdom. So in Jewish faith, prophets, they still lived. Amen? And we believe that too, right? And so if they still live, then essentially they can still influence God's people. Amen? It says, you know, Abel's blood still cried out, right? Before Abraham was, I am. You know, he's not the God of the dead, but the living. And so that's what they believed he was. And it, these are great honors, right? I mean, to be Jeremiah, Elijah, John the Baptist. What an honor to be John the Baptist and say, you're the John the Baptist, aren't you? But it's Jesus. And Jesus, if you're Jeremiah, you're feeling pretty fired up. Even though he had some issues in Jeremiah, you see he was going through a lot. Wow, I'm so grateful. I would love him to say, you're Glenn. Wouldn't that be amazing that, that, that Jesus is, is like me? <laughs> that would be amazing. So this was a great honor for these people, but it wasn't enough. Amen? We know that these are great tributes. I mean, to be called Elijah, to be called uh, John the Baptist, he was revealed as, as the best prophet of all time, Elijah. Elijah and Moses were the pillars of prophets. But that was not enough. For there's no human categories and description, the classifications, which are adequate to describe Jesus Christ. You know, Napoleon, I love this quote. He said, I know men, and Jesus Christ is more than a man. You know, I love Napoleon. You know, he, he, he did a lot of crazy stuff, but he said that right, didn't he? What about you? What do you believe? You know, if you ask that question, who do people say I am? I mean, wow, in this day and age, so many different things, right? But what do you believe? Who is Jesus? Who is he? That makes sense. Do you want us to answer? I want you to contemplate. You know, I think, I think we all are saying the same thing. But that's it. That's the belief. That's why we're here. That's why we're part of the church. It's because we believe Jesus is the son of the living God, the Messiah. And because of the first confession, we now say that as well, don't we? We now say that good confession when we're baptized. And so I want to talk a little bit about this because I think... How much do we believe that? You know, Peter said it, right? But then he denied Jesus. So we can say it, but living it is hard. Saying it's easy. Living it is certainly challenging. And we can say it with such confidence, can't we? Like Peter did. And then say, I don't even know who that is. And so it's convicting to think about, even though we confess it with our mouth, we have to live it. This is what the church is built upon. And we're going to talk a little about what he says after. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, 
of my Father in heaven, I tell you, are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is a very controversial passage. And I humbly am trying to explain it to you right now. So there's obviously the Protestant view and the Catholic view. These are two big views. The Catholic view is that this is really backing up the Pope and his infallibility and his ability. He has the keys to the kingdom. He has the ability, whatever he loosed on heaven will be loosed. Whatever he, whatever he binds, he binds. So he can create God's law, supposedly. Okay? Now, we're going to break this down and figure out if that's what it says. Now, there's a little bit of liberties that I believe the Catholics have taken on this. And I'm not trying to bash Catholics. I'm trying to preach the truth. Because we need to know about the truth, don't we? And the jump is, Peter, yes, I can see him, the apostle, binding things through the Holy Spirit in heaven. That makes a lot of sense. But how do we choose this guy over here and say that he has the same authority as Peter? That's the big jump. That's a real big jump. That's really difficult. And scripture does not back that up at all. It does not say that, you know, a group of people will choose apostles. Who was the one who chose the apostles? Jesus, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit. Now here's the thing. We also know Jesus chose them, but the lots that were taken, that was also something that they can argue, oh, well, we kind of take a lot here. That's how we do. We let the Holy Spirit guide us, as they did in Acts 1. But here's the problem. An apostle is someone who has been with Jesus the whole time, from the beginning of his ministry all the way to the end. You are not an apostle if you have not fulfilled that requirement. And so to be in the same universe as Peter, even though he was a sinner, even though he had issues, of course, uh, is not biblical or have any standing. We also know that the, the law in the Catholic Church of infallibility was created in 1870. So that's 1870 years after, right? Supposedly the birth of Jesus. And so we know, we think about that and we go, wow, that's a new law, by the way. That's a new thing in the Catholic Church. I'm not here to talk about the Catholic Church only, but I wanted to hit on that because I do think that you gotta know these things as you're helping people. What's up with the Pope, right? And we all know this, and, and even people are starting to realize that, wait, the Word of God is more important, right? <laughs> the written Word of God is more important than any man. Amen? Because man can't be trusted. Even Peter couldn't be totally trusted in the moment he was falling into traps, right, with the, with the Jews. And Pete, Paul rebuked him. And so we have to always remember that we... The, 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 the church is never built solely upon man. Amen? And that, who was the first one to say, I will build my church? Jesus. I was talking to Jesse the other day. He said, you know, it's hard. Is this my church? And I would say, no. It's not your church. It's Jesus' church. But after this message, you understand what I mean when I say my church. Because more what I'm thinking is, God made me, right, my body, amen, 
Amen. We know that. Amen. We know God created everything. So my body is because of God. And therefore, it is God's to take whenever he wants. But I'm the body. So it's like saying, I don't exist. If you're saying, this isn't your church. Your body, you're the body of Christ. You are, you are created spiritually to be the body of Christ. And so we're going to talk a little bit deeper into this, what he says. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. The gates of Hades will overcome it. So I'm going to, after we got through the hope thing, we're going to get into four different reasons to explain what this says. Amen? Augustine took the rock to mean Jesus Christ himself. So that's pretty clear. And we understand that the church essentially is built on Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Um, so you are Peter and on the rock of Jesus, I will build my church. Okay, that's the first one. Second is the rock is the truth or statement that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that's a whole, that's also true, amen? That essentially the, the church is built upon that faith, right? We're not in the church if we don't have that faith. The third thing is that the rock is Peter's faith. On the faith of Peter, the church was founded, or is founded. It was the faith of Peter that was the spark, which would kindle the faith of the whole worldwide church. Peter was the first one to confess, and the first one to become, essentially, part of the church. And so because of that, he was, it was built upon him, right? But I like the last one. I think the last interpretation is the best one, and the one that I take. It's that Peter himself is the rock, but in a special sense. He's not the rock on which the church is founded. The rock is that found is God. Amen? The chief cornerstone. The first thing to be put down is the cornerstone of foundation. And that's who? Jesus, Jesus Christ. And after that, according to Ephesians 2.20, 2 the, the prophets... And the apostles are that foundation of the church. And so in many ways, was the church built on Peter? Yes. But was the church solely built on Peter? No. And what's really cool is that Peter was the first man to grasp who Jesus was. Other than John the Baptist. I think John got it first, didn't he? He said, look, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. He got it first, but he was no longer alive. So he could not be a part of the kingdom being ushered in. So therefore, he was the first stone. He was the first stone, church. He was the first stone. He was the first one to say, Jesus is Lord, essentially. The very beginning of the church was founded upon Peter. Him as a living stone. And in the ages to come, and this is where it comes to us, we too make that same discovery that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. As Peter, one stone after stone after stone is built until it comes to our time and our generation. And then we are built. We, we are put down on the foundation and on the witnesses, amen, in, in Hebrews, that, that 
are, are the great cloud of witnesses, right? We are essentially God's building, and we'll talk a little bit about that too. Until the church is fully made into the temple of God. It's really cool how many temples were built in the Bible. And it's really cool to think about the temple being built. It's a super deep thing that we are the temple of God. First, we are ourselves a temple of God, right? But as a collective group, we make up the collective temple of God. And God lives inside of this temple. But he's also the body. He's the head of the church. And we also God's building and we're also co-workers. We are living stones, First Peter says. And so when it says, this is my church, it's such a deep statement. It's more than just, hey, I own this church. We don't own the church. We are literally inside. God owns this building, but we are right in there. And so to say, this isn't my church, it's like saying, I don't exist. Spiritually. I don't exist. It's like saying, I don't own my body. I, I'm not part of my body. You'd say, hmm, you okay, Glenn? <laughs> the truth is, we are the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is my church. It, it doesn't do it justice. Really, I have no thing, nothing in the English language to describe what you all are. It's, it's indescribable. I tried to come up with a good theme, guys. This is my church was like the secular way to try to get across what I want to say spiritually to you. And what I want to say is that we are the living stones of God. And someday that will become and what does Paul say in Ephesians 5? He says, here's a great mystery. And I'm not talking about the man and woman coming to becoming one. I'm talking about Christ and the church. And so we can also say this is my church because we are connected to Jesus who owns the church. So this is my church is a loaded statement. And it doesn't do justice. But it's the closest thing I got. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and let's look at these passages real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, and I have these as slides, but it's good to read, just look in the Bible, right? Old school. Chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. And also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles. Peter was an apostle, right? And the prophets. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are too being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Think about those words for a second, huh? Now let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. 
You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifice except to God through Jesus Christ. We are living stones being built. And this isn't just any kind of building. This is literally the bride of Christ. This is the temple of God. And so every stone is essential Mm -hmm. to building this. Mm -hmm. You're just... If you take a brick out of the middle, okay, that's a, take enough bricks, it's gonna, something's gonna happen. It's gonna collapse. Everything we do is built upon one another. You know, the martyrdom of Peter is still impacting us today. The martyrdom of, 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 of you know, um, the, the early Christians still impacts us today. And don't think that your testimony in this generation is not going to impact in a great way two, three, four, five, ten generations from now. You might not understand it now, but you'll see it. And so, just like that, we are are his his building. Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3 speaks about how we are... We are co-laborers with God. But it says, verse 9, we are, God, we are the co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Now, I'm not understanding God's field right now. I'm just going <laughs> to stick with God's building. But we're called so many things, aren't we? And I think we're called so many things because the English language and all the language in Greek and everything else cannot describe who we are. Bride, building, church, temple. Can we just stick with one word? We can't. Because the image of God was put into our souls when we were created out of the dust. Right. And things that angels could not understand. The angels don't even understand who we totally are. And, and, and this is the church. This is where we meet on Sunday. This is what we do. And so how... Important is the work we're doing in the church. It's the only thing that's going to last when everything is destroyed. It's the only thing that stands true. It's the only labor that's never in vain. Who knows anything other than God's work, the labor that you put that is not in vain. You know what? I cut my grass every spring, and that keeps growing. And then it looks terrible in the fall and winter time. It's got all this sand in it, and I have to do it again. And I might even say it was done in vain <laughs> because it keeps happening. Now, for that 10 minutes, it looks good. <laughs> but to think about this, guys, the gates of Hades cannot overcome it. Is there anything more powerful than the gates of Hades? Is there anything more powerful? Death cannot overcome it. The place of the dead will not overcome the bride, us. Marcus Aurelius, they said he said he might be a fictional character. Love this quote, though. I think it's true. What we do in life echoes into eternity. And that's what Peter was told. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Our actions in the church really do echo into eternity. 
And you matter. You matter so much. And my prayers after tonight, you really embrace that. You know, let's end in Ephesians 4, guys. You know, I was going to have us break up into family groups. And I think we still could talk and have a fellowship. But for the sake of ending on an eight. And I don't, I think we should just fellowship after this. But in our groups, in our family groups, I'm going to send these questions out to you personally for you to contemplate and think over in your quiet time. Because I don't think 10, 15 minutes is enough time with a group of five or six people to just figure out these things. We need to dwell upon these things and think about what is our part of the wall? What is our part? What is God calling us? What does it mean when Jesus says, build my church? What does that mean for you? That can't be answered in 15 minutes. That can't be answered in a, a quick little fellowship break. But I want you to think about this. For the, it, all, it doesn't have to be you know, a lifetime to figure out. I think in many ways it will. But we're evolving. Amen? And I want to encourage you to, to be proactive with this. Because what you do echoes into eternity. Amen? Ephesians 4 verse 15. Um, verse 15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Him, who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. You know, it's powerful to think about how Peter was fired up, right? He was fired up about, yes, I got the keys. You know, I'm sure he was feeling pretty awesome about that. I got the right answer. A lot of times I don't get the right answer, but I got the right answer this time. And this was revealed by God, so God's kind of on my side here. And then a little bit later, he pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him about going to the cross. Right. He calls him Satan. <laughs> and then he's called Satan. So, you know, was this the same day? I hope not, because, man, it was an intense day. That's a lot of emotional things happening, right? <laughs> We need both, don't we? We need amazing belief and we need reality and truth sometimes, both sometimes in the same day. But one of the things that's powerful about this is that Peter, once it starts getting uncomfortable, Peter says, never, Lord. Because if you get crucified, that means I'm going to be crucified. That's what's underneath it all, amen? Yes, Peter cared deeply about Jesus. I believe that, actually. But it meant that if he was next in line, <laughs> yeah. who else is you know, going to get killed? Yeah. We need to fight. We need to fight against this. We can't suffer. Mm -hmm. Suffering is no good. Mm -hmm. Jesus literally bled and died so that we could have this church. We talked about 850 grand was given to this church. How about the very blood of Jesus? 
And I think that's what's powerful for me. I'm like, listen, Jesus laid down his life for the church. It's time for me to lay down my life for the church. And many of us are doing that, amen? But to take ownership and to say, you know what? As Jesus, I'm not the hired hand. I'm the good shepherd. And I freely lay down my life for the church. What's it mean for you to lay down your life for this church? Have you laid it down? Here's a great question. Have you laid it down? It's not easy to lay it down. It's uncomfortable. (coughs) But it's the only way that the church gets built. You know, unless a single seed dies, it remains only a seed. We want to grow the church, but we don't want to die. We want to go take the whole state, but we don't want to give all the money that we could give. Because that's scary. Never, Lord. Don't be unwise, Lord. We don't want to expend ourselves. I don't want to expend myself because it's uncomfortable. And my prayer is that that will change. That we will lay down our lives as Jesus did for his bride. And what does that mean for you? Some of you, it might mean to lead, to speak up, to start leading people, both in Christ and out of Christ. For some of us, it means we need to give contribution at least on Sunday. <clears throat> I was talking to a family group and I said, you know what? Everyone should be asked, do you give? I don't need to know what it is, but if you don't give, you're, you're, there's reasons sometimes we don't give, but consistently, that's that can be challenging sometimes for your heart. Then where is your treasure then? You know? It's, it's challenging, but it's true. Here's the things that I'm challenged with most in laying down my life. My time. I like my time. How about you? I like my time. It's my time. It's all we have. I got one life to live, and then I die. And I can't give it up for this all this church stuff and enjoy myself a lot. This could be what we have. You know, I'll be in one Bible study, but two? Ooh, no, no. Two's a little too much for my time. When was the last time you challenged someone to start coming to midweek? I don't have to challenge you guys. You guys are doing it. What if we challenge our, 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 our brothers and sisters? Why isn't everyone here at midweek? good question if we have to start saying hey bro sis I have a a fantastic idea what if we pray together about you coming to midweek and family group most of the time what about that well I can't because I work really I work too you know I, I would love to talk about that and get into it and start talking about it because these are the bare minimum things. Commitment. I, the Spirit of God, through me, is calling this church to commitment. 
Commitment. Total commitment. Not just partial commitment, total commitment. And it's shown in your time, in your money, in your reputation, in your love, in your feeling foolish sometimes, in your uncomfortability. We got to do it. Because Jesus died for it. Because what we're doing is so important. And I'm so grateful to be part of the church with you guys. I need to step up. I need to lay down my life more. And so do you. And so the thought that I have is for us to think and pray. And I'll put this on Facebook and I'll email it out and put it on the app and send a pigeon out your way. And the simple question is, what does it mean for you personally to do your part? To do your part. You know, Ephesians 4, verse 15 says, we become in the respect, the mature body of him. In verse 16, it says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, I know we're going to see the Patriots and they say, do your job. And that's one of those funny, it's a job for them, really, right? I mean, it is their job. I don't think that's the way I want to talk about God's work. It's not a job to me. It's a privilege. Do your privilege. (laughs) Do your delight. You know, because when you do serve, There's nothing better. You know, when I give my time to God, it's a wonderful thing. Because there's nothing more valuable to give my time to. I remember working at a coffee shop and just wanting to get out of work so that I could go share my faith. You know, giving people lattes and just thinking, oh, I just can't wait to go and share my faith. Our time. You know, what about our offering? To God. We've talked about it already. But how are we going to be self-supported? We're going to grow as a church. And we all need to become greater givers. How about our talents? Is everyone using all their talents in the church? That's always a hard thing. It's always hard to do that. It's hard as me as a leader to administrate all that talent. There's so much talent in this room, guys. There really is. And yet... It's hard to administrate it. And so we have to work together to do that. You know, it's not, hey, put me in, coach. How come he never plays me? Come on, coach. You know, come on, coach, put me in. It's, hey, coach, I think I could be put in on this. Let's do this. Let's, let's do this. Let's do that. I'm so encouraged. Lauren May, who has said she's going to take the slideshow on Sunday. Tim says, Amen. So, I want you to think about what it means for you to step up in this church. What's it mean? That's about as simple as I can keep it. What's it mean for you to step up? What's God calling you to do? And I believe, I have every confidence that you guys are going to all step up. I believe we all are. And call me to step up too. Because ultimately, God's church is so vital and so special. It started with Peter, with one confession. 
And after stone, after stone, after stone. How many stones are there, church? Who knows? It says countless, too many to count, too many to count are part of this building. Let's say a prayer. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for this time. And I know, uh, God, it's, it's, it's silly to talk about who we are in the church. But God, it's so beautiful at the same time. And I just pray, God, that you would help us to, Father, as, as your son laid his life down, help us to do the same. And God, I know it, it's, it's about doing the first simple thing, Father. For us, maybe it's, maybe it's I'm going to, I'm just going to serve this person. This person's been on my heart. I'm going to serve them. Maybe it's, I'm going to pray with so-and-so who needs prayers. And I'm going to pray with him on the phone. Maybe it's, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up for the app and, and be more involved in that. I'm going to, I'm going to do a, a consistent thing on that, Father. It's really incredible, just the small things we can do to make a difference. I pray, Lord, that you would bless our conversations in our, in our family groups that are to come about this. And I pray, God, that you would bless our discussions, that your Holy Spirit would be with them. I know you're proud of us, God. And yet I know you're calling us higher. Thank you for believing in us, God. You called Peter higher when you said, I'm giving you the keys. And he opened up the keys for the Jews and the Gentiles. God, what an amazing task he had. But we too have keys in some ways. We have keys every time we speak to someone about the kingdom. As we share our faith, we, we open that door for them in a, in a more direct way. And we just ask you, help us, Lord, to, to be mindful that we matter. And Lord, help this really be a leaven throughout the whole group. We have a culture that says, this is my church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome, guys. Well, I'll send out those questions, and thank you for listening. I love you very much. I'm grateful to be a part, be that, be a part of that building with you guys. So, have a good night. Why are you so Hey. Hopefully I made it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like you bringing this around. Who brought the Who gave this here again? This is uh, awesome. Nice. Dad, the way you preach, I always think you're going to end up when you don't. You go, put a ton of emphasis on your words. And then I fake you out. I keep you on your toes. You <laughs> like, you know how he always goes like, and that is what I want you to do. And also, then I like... It's a good word, also. <laughs> the hair. The hairs. Where is, do you see Wade? Is Wade here? John, John. I see him. Kids came. <laughs> oh, she is? I gotta give this to Wade. Is Wade there too? Yeah. Okay. Right on.